Hello, my Maccabees. The Wheel of Ghastly Tales is back at it today, and the possibilities are endless. What will we be getting ourselves into? Find out next on Season 1, Episode 6 of the Mod Macabre Podcast. return listener. Thank you so much as always for your support. And if you're new here, get comfy around the campfire because the wheel of ghastly tales here before me is about to tell us what category we'll be hearing a story about today. Will it be history's mysteries, creepy crime, terrible people, the unsolved, or of course my personal favorite, what the macabre? Let's find out right now. Here we go. All right, we are on the green. That means we landed on what the macabre. You all know how happy that makes me. And I've got, hmm, I've got a couple of stories actually for this category at the ready. But you know what? I think, yep, we're just going to do it. We are going to talk today about the horrific story of Doris Stouffer. In 2013, Jim Stouffer sat in a hospital room chair staring at the sterile walls while holding the hand of his dying mother, Doris Stouffer. It had been a really hard few years. Doris had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, and Jim had been caring for her during that very difficult time. The confusing part was that Doris did not carry the gene for Alzheimer's, and doctors believed that the disease had mutated. This was very interesting to them uh, because they really wanted to study it, and they were talking to Jim Stouffer about the possibility of donating her brain to science after her death. So Doris was 74 when she passed away, and on the day of her death, her son Jim you know, went ahead and spoke with a neurologist. And at that time, he could not accept her remains for science research for a few reasons, but he was referred uh, by one of the nurses to a local research center uh, in Maricopa County, Arizona. It was called Biological Resource Center, or BRC for short. And this company, it brokered the donation of human bodies for research. So he contacted them right away in hopes to have her brain studied so that maybe somehow the research could help understand this horrible disease. And for anyone who knows or has had to experience Alzheimer's disease firsthand uh, in a loved one, it's a very slow, long, painful process for the person who's been diagnosed and for the family members. So Jim was just really hopeful that by donating his mom's brain to science, that they would be able to better understand this disease and hopefully he could prevent some family's future suffering um, altogether. When Jim contacted the phone number that was located on the brochure given to him by the hospice nurse where Doris was being cared for, a caring representative answered the phone and then came directly to the hospital and met with Jim. They sat down with him with a folder, paperwork, and a pen and carefully went over these consent forms. And Jim made these decisions regarding the donation of his mother's remains. 
When complete, he had given permission to BRC to transport her to their facility in Phoenix, Arizona, remove her brain to be used for the study of Alzheimer's disease, and the rest of her remains were to be cremated and returned to Jim. Everything about the contract and interaction with the BRC representative was professional, caring, and Jim felt really good about the choice he made. Within 10 days, Jim's mother's cremated remains had been returned to him in a very beautiful wooden box, and Jim and his wife Lisa settled back into their new routine that they established after Doris's death. The year of Doris Stouffer's death was 2013, and at that time, there was no way for Jim to know that two years prior, federal authorities had been investigating BRC. And there was also no way for him to know that when he signed those consent forms that none of it mattered. His choices, his decisions, his wishes, all just a way to make family members feel comfortable with their donation of their loved one's remains. And in reality, what happened to 74-year-old Doris Stouffer in those 10 days is something that even nightmares pale in comparison to. You're listening to the Mod Macabre podcast. We'll continue to find out what happened to Doris Stouffer when we come back. In 2011, there was this man. He was crossing over uh, by vehicle from Ontario, Canada, and his final destination was Detroit. So he's crossing the border and he gets stopped by U.S. Customs agents um, as he's trying to come in. And they're, you know, they ask him what he has with him. They end up doing a vehicle search and they find this bloody cooler. And they're like, there was multiple coolers. And they're like, what do you have in here? And he's like, it's, I have severed heads. And they're like, whoa. And he didn't just have one severed head. He had 10, 10 severed heads that they found in this man's vehicle. So naturally, of course, they're first like, we have a serial killer on our hands. Like, holy cow. And he's like, wait, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not a serial killer. Uh, I'm, I work in Detroit at the International Biological Incorporated Center, which is a body broker. And I'm bringing these severed heads to them. They, you know, they got donated. And the custom agents are like, what? Like, they don't even know what to make of this guy. So they call the FBI. And of course, there was, you know, they looked into this because this man's traveling with 10 severed heads in a cooler. And one of these heads were traced back to BRC in Phoenix, Arizona. So once they finally figure out that this guy is not a serial killer, that he actually does in fact work at a Detroit body brokerage and, you know, that his story actually is for real, this incident puts BRC and body brokerage firms in general in the FBI's crosshairs, right? They began taking a much closer look into this very very unregulated uh, body broker business. Now, this is not to be confused with organ donation. In the United States, it is illegal to sell organs for the purpose of donating and implanting them. So for example, if I had you know, someone come to me and say, hey, I'll give you a million dollars for one of your kidneys, 
that's illegal in the United States. You, if, if you want to donate a body part um, when you're still living, you cannot do it for money, right? That's very regulated. After you pass away, that's where things get really muddled. And you'll see that in this story. A lot of these brokerage agencies, you know, handle these, these donations for research, for medical schools, for science and technology, but it's really, really unregulated. And so after years of investigation, the FBI raided the BRC compound in 2014 after allegations that they were dissecting body parts and selling them for a profit, which is, again, a little bit in the muddled area of regulation. And after the raid, the news agency Reuters, which is who I used um, for a lot of my research in this story, they did their own investigation. And after obtaining documents and transcripts in 2016, one of the Reuters reporters found themselves knocking on the door of Jim and Lisa Stouffer, their house, and wanting he wanted a comment regarding what had actually happened to his mother Doris's remains when they took her deceased body to BRC. The problem was Jim had absolutely no idea what this reporter was talking about. And obviously the reporter didn't know that he didn't know either. Talk about awkward. Now I want you all to just close your eyes for a minute. This is going to be hard, but I just need you to get a sense of the information that Jim Stouffer found out that day. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about a loved one. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, just whoever, someone that you love and you care about. And even in their death, you know, you still want to honor them. And you have made these very difficult decisions after their death to donate a part of them to science so that you can help prevent something from happening to another family. You have their best interests at heart. And one day, random Tuesday, you're sitting on your couch and you get a knock at your door and it's a reporter and they want a statement about what happened to your mother. So of course you explain it to them that you donated her body to science, specifically her brain, and that she had been cremated and returned to you. And the reporter says, no, that's not what happened. Your loved one's body first had their right hand hacked off and cremated and returned to you. The rest of their deceased body was then packaged up and sold to the United States Army where they took your loved one's body and strapped it into a Humvee simulator and they set a bomb off underneath it, basically shredding your loved one's body to pieces so that they can, could determine what the effects are when an improvised explosive device blows up under vehicles in Iraq and Afghanistan. So now that's really horrible, right? And here's the thing. There is no way that any medical institution, uh, medical school, they could not function without the donation of cadavers. And on a more personal note, when I used to be in the army, I served as a contract specialist, which meant I spent the government's money. 
um, when I was at Fort Drum, New York, I did a contract where I purchased um, lab equipment and lab time from the University of Syracuse. And with that, there was a cadaver that came along with that um, that had been donated through regulatory sources um, for the mortuary affairs soldiers so that they could be taught and they could train. So I'm not saying that the U.S. Army did anything wrong in this case. They did, however, state that for one, they did receive about 20 uh, bodies from BRC. They paid $5,893 per body. So if you think about it, that's, I mean, it's just funny because it's taxpayer money serving a purpose. However, they just basically assumed that BRC got the correct permissions uh, and they didn't really check. So that's one thing that was absolutely completely out of line. But here's the worst part about this. It's already pretty creepy, but I want to get into the raid. So in 2014, the FBI, they raided the BRC complex in Phoenix, Arizona. And they, what they found in there was just the most awful, gruesome, grotesque. So I'm just going to kind of get into it here. When they raided the Phoenix, Arizona BRC, they found lab rooms that had blood pools, body parts that had been hacked off. They found chainsaws, hacksaws, you know, obviously not medical instrumentation that should have been used in this, in this manner. Um, there were body parts just kind of thrown about the building. Uh, there was an entire, ugh, there was an entire cooler that was filled with male genitalia. There were buckets of heads and arms and legs. And this was, you know, testimony from a former FBI assistant special agent in this, like, this is what he was describing that they found as they walked in. And then they had this woman, this female head it was sewn onto a large male torso like Frankenstein, and it was just hanging on the wall. Just to put this into context, more than 1,755 human body parts were found at the facility during the raid, and it took 142 body bags to move, and altogether it weighed 10 tons. The 1,755 total body parts that were included in the raid contained 281 heads, 241 shoulders, 337 legs, and 97 spines. Okay, so to wrap things up, I want to talk to you guys about some of the key players in this whole BRC situation. First and foremost was its founder and owner, this gentleman's name was Stephen Gore. And at the end of the day, after the raid, he actually pleaded guilty to fraud. And it wasn't for selling the body parts, but for misleading customers by shipping them contaminated specimens. So for example, 
um, one of a bo- one of the bodies had been donated and it was decapitated. The head was sent to Harvard for some science tests and studies. And when Harvard received it, it tested positive for hepatitis C. They weren't doing the types of testings that were required for shipment of specimens. So his punishment in all of this was probation. That's it. The second player in all of this was a gentleman named Arthur Rathburn. Arthur Rathburn was a Detroit body broker. He actually pleaded not guilty to charges of defrauding customers. And when they searched Rathburn's warehouse in 2013, they found rotting body parts. They found four preserved fetuses. It's not really sure how, you know, he, he, had these in his uh, in his warehouse, but he was selling. He was accused of selling diseased body parts without warning. I think it's kind of funny because at Stephen Gore's trial, uh, his defense was basically like, "Hey, uh, at some point, this business was growing so fast that we were so shorthanded, we had to cut some corners." And I apologize. It's just absolutely unconscionable. So the last player I wanted to talk to you about was a gentleman named Kazimi. That was his last name. So in 2012, BRC hired him as a lab technician. He earned $21 an hour. And before joining BRC, he was very, um, his resume was legit. He spent a decade working as a real estate agent. He was a waiter at Morton Steakhouse. uh, And he also was a manager for an Olive Garden. So you can see how clearly he was well-qualified to hack bodies apart at BRC. And when he got there, uh, he... (laughs) He went ahead and made a instructional video for BRC employees so that they could know exactly how to sever a a body apart. And the title, he actually used some like video editing skills that he had. And the title flashed up on the screen and it said, strip cervical spine. And there was him in his glasses and his mask and his blue, you know, protective suit and gloves. And all of a sudden it pans out and there's this man dead body on the table. It's face down. His shoulders and his arms have already been cut off. And the dude's head is like rolling from side to side. And and um, Kazimi, he has to hold it still. And so he starts talking to his audience about how, you know, they use sticker, thicker, sturdier blades in these hacksaws that they got clearly from like Home Depot or Lowe's. And he goes back and he, you know, basically dismembers this corpse on this video. And the thing is, is that at the trial, you know, he said, well, it wasn't supposed to be seen by anyone on the outside. It was for internal purposes only. But, you know, there were multiple federal agents that were diagnosed with PTSD just from watching this, this film. That's how like snuff creepy it was. Um, and he, you know, Kazimi would go on Saturdays to just teach college students about dissection 
And it's just a wonder to me that no one who had come in and out of there as an intern from a local university or something, like how did they not think that what was going on there was weird? I, I, I just honestly don't get it. So in conclusion, I guess the silver lining in all of this, particularly this case, is that after its completion, the Arizona governor signed into law that body brokers needed to be licensed and regularly inspected in the state of Arizona, which is good, right? The thing is, is that body brokerage agencies aren't all bad. As I said before, you know, the medical industry, we all benefit from medical individuals that are able to train using live cadavers where it's, you know, from dentistry to hip replacement to all of these things we know work better when there are training on human cadavers. However, it is such an unregulated industry still to this day. And there is a lot of work that needs to be done to make sure that people's final wishes and their family's final wishes are taken care of. If you want to know more about this case, because there is a lot more information out there, uh, check out Reuters Investigates. Uh, the series is called The Body Trade, and there are seven parts plus a Q&A on body donations. So thank you again for joining us today. I will see you next time around the campfire. Thank you for listening to the Mod Macabre podcast. If you enjoyed the content of this episode, please click on the five-star rating. And if you love the format of random creepy stories of the strange and unusual delivered by my campfire in story format, please subscribe to the Mod Macabre podcast on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. New episodes are launched every Tuesday and Friday morning. Thank you again for listening.